0: Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Hello, and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real scientists answer your beauty questions and give you an insider's look at the beauty product industry. This is episode 196. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today is Valerie George. Hello, Valerie.
1: Hi, Perry. Hi, Brains fans.
0: On today's episode, we're going to be answering your questions about whether there are any benefits to having vitamins in your hair products. We're going to talk about whether anything works better than hydroquinone for age spots, whether shave minimizing products work, and whether film-forming ingredients are easy to wash off. Plus, we will got a couple of cosmetic industry news stories to talk about. But before we do that, let's say hello to Valerie. How is it going, Valerie?
1: Things are okay, in case anyone was wondering. I am safe from the fires that are ravishing Los Angeles.
0: There's fires out there in California?
1: Yeah, it started Thursday night and it closed several major highways. It was right at this point where you pass from one valley to another. So my roadway to work was blocked. So Friday was a work from home day. And for much of the lab, I just went ahead and gave them the day off since nobody could drive through. I did what have one employee that had to evacuate from her home, wow. but she is fine. And hopefully this weekend she got to go back.
0: So that kind of thing makes you want to come back to the Midwest, right?
1: <laughs> A little bit. We do have great weather every day, but sometimes when these fires happen, the air basically smells like campfire and it starts to dust everything with ash particles. So, oh my. Um, But you don't have to put up with it too often. But the air quality definitely was not good, so I stayed inside this weekend and worked on some big projects I had going on.
0: Oh, sounds like fun. Well, I hope you stay safe out there. You know what I did today?
1: I heard you you did a lot of running.
0: I did. I participated in the uh, Chicago Marathon for my 20th time in this race.
1: Do you mind disclosing your time to our fans?
0: I finished the marathon a minute faster than last year, 3 hours and 43 minutes.
1: Now, I want to remind everyone, Perry just doesn't run marathons. He juggles during them, so he joggled 26.2 miles.
0: Yeah, juggling, sport of the future.
1: (laughs) I couldn't even juggle for 0.2 miles, so I think that's really cool.
0: Well, thank you. I practice a lot, though. But it did give me time to uh, catch up on some podcasts, so (laughs) we'll get into that in a little bit.
1: Well, first, let's do some beauty news. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal called The Rise of Fancy Face Cream for the Rest of Your Body. And it it was a short article. They didn't reveal anything to mind-blowing, but they did say that there has been a surge of high-end skincare companies making powerful skincare creams for the body, not the face. And they went on to discuss three brands that had recently launched this year, and the author thinks that it's going to be quite a bit of a trend. And I was looking at some of the creams because I'm vain. I'll I'll just say it. Uh, I think like most of our listeners, we want to look our best and feel our best, and I thought, well, I take care of my face and my décolletage, which is my neck and my chest. Why not take care of the rest of my body?
0: I learned a new word there.
1: Yeah. So So I was looking and the creams are like, One of them is $165 (laughs) and it's only four ounces. And I'm sorry, I don't know how far that goes on your body, but I did notice one thing that the author did say. It's high end skincare companies doing this. And I think it's a great idea. I just don't know the viability of it. So when you.
0: Four ounces for your whole body? Like, what is it, like hand cream or?
1: It's it's forty dollars an ounce for for your body. Um, oh, I mean, my. from from head to toe. And I get it. Skin is your largest organ. It is the protective barrier on your body. It takes a lot of insults. You want to treat it well. But I want to speak from a formulator's perspective. Why, outside of high end skincare, I don't think this trend will really be super impactful. For, first of all, when you have products for body and hair, you typically, because of the amount of product that needs to be applied, you have really large bottles, like a minimum of eight ounces, even a shampoo for eight ounces or a lotion for eight ounces. ounces—that's If you're using it every day, it's not going to last you a really long time, maybe one month. And in that eight ounces, you don't have a lot of money to work with. In high-end skincare or even middle-of-the-road skincare, when a product is one ounce, you can justify putting tons of expensive actives in it because you can buffer the cost per pound over 16 ounces in your pound. But when you are putting these expensive actives in and you pretty much are selling a pound of shampoo or half a pound of lotion, you can't buffer that cost as much and consumers just aren't going to pay for that.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I can't see this taken off as a big trend. I mean, just that those prices are just crazy. And the benefit that people are going to actually notice, I doubt will be there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's assuming that use of the actives pays off, right? But I do think there is something in at least taking care of the skin all over the rest of your body. When I tell people the secret to skin care, it's really just having a routine. You can use pretty much almost any product. And see an efficacious result because you're using the products in a routine. You know, if you're exfoliating regularly, moisturizing regularly, you're just going to see a huge benefit from that over doing nothing at all. So I think having a routine is just the battle. So my my vote is to skip the expensive products from these high end skincare companies, buy something more economical, and just develop a routine for the rest of your body.
0: Yeah, my routine is I just wash myself with uh, shampoo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have I ever told you the story about my brother. I gave him some shampoo that's supposed to tingle.
0: Did uh, I ever I, tell you this story? I think you, what, you had methyl salicylate in it or something.
1: Something, and he used it on yep. the rest of his body. And oh, he got really upset with me because he said, You said shampoo can be used as body wash. And I meant, yeah, like non-tingly shampoo. He he was really <laughs> right. mad because he'd washed the rest of his parts with it. And didn't feel uh, good.
0: Yeah. The, the the joys of being related to a chemist. <laughs> Oops. All right, Valerie. Why don't we talk about this uh, one story? Actually, this isn't a story. Uh, as I said, while I was uh, running, I I got to uh, listen to catch up on some of the podcasts out there, and I do I do listen to the Fat Mascara podcast every so often, um, if they have a if they have a guest that's interesting or something. But anyway, um, I was listening. Uh, to a show they did a few weeks ago and they had a dermatologist on there. I don't recall her name or anything, but uh, it just just really started to bug me because she was just telling all these tropes like natural products are better, synthetics are bad. But one thing that she said, which really bugged me, is she said uh, there was this one product which didn't use a preservative, but they used citric acid as a preservative. <laughs> It's was like, citric acid is not a preservative. No,
1: not at all. And apparently this dermatologist either did the interview before the JAMA Dermatology report came out saying that natural products are not necessarily better for your skin than non-natural products, which if she's a dermatologist, she should be reading the latest publications, um, or she doesn't believe in it. And I, I would tell you she probably would read the article and say, yeah, they're wrong.
0: Yeah, that's probably. it. I mean, that's one of the one of the downsides to social media and experts getting out there and pushing a message. Because she actually worked for a brand, and oh, so
1: hashtag conflict of interest.
0: <laughs> a little bit. That's that's one of the problems. Now, some dermatologists will pass on good information, but when you're passing on this, this bias stuff that plugs your own products. It just, it's just, I think it really harms consumers and it just mis, misinforms people. Now there's uh, people that listen to this podcast and they're going to think that, you know, parabens are terrible to use. Citric acid apparently is a preservative and they should only use natural products on their skin. And whereas we know that Natural ingredients are the ones that usually cause the most problem on people's skin. So I just it, it just really bugs me to hear uh, a, an expert, like a dermatologist, passing on this bad information.
1: Well, I think it also speaks that this dermatologist may be an expert in uh, skin morphology, physiology, diagnosing diagnosing and treating skin maladies, but she's not a cosmetic formulator. We've spoken on the show before that. There is a a rift between the cosmetics industry and the medical industry where we're almost approaching um, skin or hair with a a different set of eyes, and we're not necessarily super interrelated. So there's this gap between us. And when she's saying that parabens, which, um, hello, were the 2019 non-allergen preservative of the year, or synthetic ingredients, which a, a JAMA editorial from fellow dermatologists of hers in the industry, I mean, they're not related, but I'm just saying they're all dermatologists are saying, hey, natural's not better. And in fact, we're seeing a rise in skin disorders from people using products. Um, It just speaks that in this instance, she should stick to talking about skin and speaking less about cosmetic formulations.
0: Yeah. And the bottom line is, hey, dermatologists out there, um, stop passing on bad information
1: yeah ask a cosmetic chemist and in fact we'll tell you at the end of the show how you guys can ask us a question
0: although i should say that there are also cosmetic chemists out there that pass on bad information too uh the the things you got to look for is what is somebody selling if somebody's selling a product that not necessarily they're going to tell you the wrong stuff but you have to be very skeptical of what they're telling you
1: yeah exactly Well, I read an article also. We'll do a third news story. I know it's not usual for us where if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I tweeted about it. I read an article about a brand, speaking of people trying to just sell themselves (laughs) for it's a hair care brand and they are selling CBD infused hair products.
0: Whoa, CBD—the hot, the hot ingredient. <laughs> They're yeah, putting it in everything, right? That
1: supposedly works on receptors in the skin to mediate inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. They were saying, "Hey, it's really important if you're going to buy a CBD product that you're buying from a brand that is extremely transparent, revealing all their testing, doing their diligence, doing their job. Transparency, transparency, transparency." And I just had to laugh because CBD. Literally does nothing for hair, and <laughs>
0: they're
1: they're screaming transparencies needed from brand to consumers, and they're selling a product that really is just a, a waste of money. It's going down the drain.
0: It's just it's so hard to be a consumer these days because yeah, you know these these brands they they latch onto these trends and they they prepare the story in such a way that it sounds science based, and there is always a kernel of science to these things but uh, that's a perfect example i mean they put cbd and everything and it doesn't do anything in here
1: no and it's not even a a, a corn kernel it's <laughs> like a walnut shell kernel that's been put in a grinder to make very tiny walnut exfoliants it's like smaller than that kernel of science in that it, anyway i just thought it was funny
0: <laughs> well we'll see how long the cbd craze lasts
1: well, I also read another article that it's just the beginning. So, oh
0: my, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I, you guys I think will hear
1: a lot about it moving forward, I guess.
0: I, I think we're going to start a special CBD news <laughs> section. Yeah. All right. Speaking of new sections, uh, do you want to answer some questions?
1: Let's do it.
0: All right. Our first question comes to us from Geraldine. She says, uh, we need a Beauty Brains for vitamins. Can you guys talk about vitamins for hair or any vitamins that are recommended for beauty benefits? Years ago, companies claimed that their vitamins would break down, our digestion, and other vitamin brands would not. Thank you, and I so enjoy your podcast. So, vitamins for hair. You're, you're a hair person, right? Yeah. How do you feel about vitamins for hair? <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> well, we've talked about it before on the show. Vitamins are are great to supplement with when you have a deficiency or when you're prescribed them for some purpose from your medical doctor. And for example, Biotin. I see so many products with Biotin for hair, nails, they're topical. And Unfortunately, any topical application of those won't do anything for your hair. They're not going to magically penetrate into your body. And any oral vitamins taken really will only work if you have a deficiency. The other challenge is a lot of vitamins and supplements. Uh, For example... Turmeric is super popular right now. And when you ingest it, only a very small portion of the turmeric is actually bioavailable for digestion. And so it would need to be paired with something yeah. like a black pepper that could increase the bioavailability of the turmeric in your system. Otherwise, it's in one end and out the other. So I, I really wish, even, you know, putting consumer Valerie hat on. I love the idea of beauty teas, beauty powders, beauty waters. I love the idea. And you know what? I even drink one. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I just yeah. don't think it's going to do anything. I'm just really happy that it makes me drink more water. I mean, when I yeah. chug a gla- glass of water with these um, you know, vitamins in it, I feel like the healthiest person on the planet. <laughs> and I think that's something, right?
0: It makes you feel better. How could it be bad? I just, I, <laughs> I I, don't. I'm super skeptical of those things. Now, I should say, when I was on the TRESemmé brand, Tresame, every time we'd come out with a new SKU, they always wanted a new vitamin. So TRESemmé had vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E. I think we got up to vitamin K <laughs> every time we'd do it. And... You know, we would put the vitamins in there at just, just a drop in there just so you have it on the label and you can say that's a vitamin version. Um, and it didn't do anything in the product. But what I will say is when you were sitting in uh, focus groups and people are reading through the new concept that's coming out, you put the word vitamin in the concept and consumers automatically like it. They automatically rate it high. And so from a from a product sales standpoint – that was why we were putting vitamins in there, but vitamins didn't do anything. Now the only vitamin in hair that people claim has an effect is the panthenol, the vitamin, mm-hmm. but B B12 or whatever. I think
1: it's B5 pro vitamin B-
0: B5, yes, which right.
1: Pantene has built their whole empire on.
0: Right, and I don't, I don't really buy that it does anything in your hair, personally.
1: I don't think it's doing anything to the in- hair internally, but I think um, it offers like a certain hair feel when you're in the shower, when you take panthenol, neat panthenol that's not dissolved in anything yeah. and you get your hands wet and you put your pan- the panthenol between your fingers. It's like a squeaky feeling like, yeah. and I think that feel in the shower when you're rinsing it out of the hair gives the consumer the perception their hair is a more hydrated and and better feeling, but is it actually doing anything? Yeah, probably not.
0: Yeah. I mean I I could see that, but also they have their dimethicone in their products. They have their There's, you know, there's squeaky clean detergents. I could see just any effect you would get from there would just be wiped out. So they did did build Pantene, you know, Pro-V. That's the whole reason to be or whatever. Uh, And it sells quite well. But uh, I don't think it's selling well because of what uh, the the vitamins doing in there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, next we have an audio question, right?
0: Yeah, audio question. Uh, Let me cue that up.
1: Hello, Beauty Brains. My name is Anna and I live in Florida. You recently answered another question of mine, so I hope it's not too soon to submit another one. I've been trying to get rid of age spots on my face and have been unsuccessful thus far, so I recently began using a 2% hydroquinone serum sold by Glow Skin Beauty. I have two questions. According to my dermatologist a few years ago, hydroquinone is the only thing that actually fades spots. If that's true, then why is it not more commonly used? I looked in several places before finding it at the derm store. Also, is niacinamide as effective? Thank you. All right, thanks so much. So, hydroquinone has been used for de- depigmentation since at least the 1960s and Some of you may know, some of you may not know, its use in cosmetic products for skin lightening is a bit controversial. A widely accepted mechanism for how hydroquinone works on the skin is that it inhibits synthesis of the enzyme tyrosinase, which is an enzyme responsible for melanin production. Melanin is the molecule that gives skin its color. So the more melanin you have, the darker skin is. Additionally, melanocytes, where the melanin lives... And organelles that contain melanin can be destroyed by hydroquinone. It's very effective. So when you stop it from being made or you're destroying the melanin that exists, um, you get a lighter effect in skin, and hydroquinone is very good at that. However, the safety is what's controversial about this ingredient. It's not controversial how it works, but um, hydroquinone has been banned for use in cosmetic products in Europe since around 2000.
0: I should give a little... Caveat to that being banned in Europe, it's it's banned in over the counter products, but you can still get hydroquinone uh, prescriptions in in Europe. So
1: correct, you cannot use it in in true cosmetic products, right. which is maybe what you would get at the drugstore or on the internet. Right. In the United States, depigmentation products, because you're changing the physiology of the skin, you are making it lighter. They would be considered as over the counter drugs. In over-the-counter drugs, you may have seen a drug facts panel on several products you buy, like sunscreen.
0: Yeah, anti-dandruff shampoos, yeah. There's some products that actually have an effect on the, the body, like the biochemistry of the body. They, those are actually drugs.
1: Exactly. The FDA creates a monograph for these types of products and dictates what ingredients you can use in them and at what levels. Historically, since 1982, the level that was concluded to be safe was between 1.5 and 2%, and I think most companies used hydroquinone over the counter at 2%. However, the FDA in 2006 withdrew the monograph listing hydroquinone as an ingredient as a proposal, so it's not a final rule yet, but they said, hey, we kind of want to pull this back and come back to you with a new monograph for skin lightening, and that hasn't happened yet.
0: The interesting thing there is that if you take away hydroquinone, then there are no actives for skin lightening.
1: Exactly. The monograph would just be gone. The reason they did this is the FDA determined that it couldn't rule out potential carcinogenic risk from topically applied hydroquinone in humans, and they couldn't make a final determination on hydroquinone's potential to impair fertility. So when products, uh, cosmetic ingredients, I should say, not products, when the actual ingredients are tested either for pharmacological or cosmetic use, they have to do several tests to determine its tox profile. And one of them is not only can it cause cancer, but can it cause reproductive harm? And that's called mutagenicity um, in the reproductive system. And I think in rats, they have found that it it does not have a good uh, mutagenicity profile. So however, the Cosmetic Ingredient Review Board which we often refer to as the CIR has been studying safety of hydroquinone since the early 1980s. And they've created several reports over the years. And they most recently created one saying that they think hydroquinone is safe when you use it at concentrations less than or equal to 1% in formulations that are designed for brief use, meaning you have to wash them off of the skin Mm -hmm. and it's unsafe for leave on cosmetic products with the exception of UV nail adhesives.
0: Well, it's interesting that the FDA is being a little more conservative than the Cosmetic Ingredient Review Board.
1: Yeah, it's pretty unusual. So, you may ask how could our listener who sent in this question be purchasing a cream still that contains hydroquinone at 2% if the FDA is like, hey, you know, we don't really think you can use that. Um, It's because they haven't come up with a final rule yet saying hydroquinone is certainly not allowed in cosmetic products, right. so that, that's why she can still get that. So I would expect this cream to be effective if it contained 2% hydroquinone. I think I think that's a great use level, uh, but I think a little caution should be used since there is so much disagreement around the world. I know that a couple other resources have said, no, it's safe, people are overreacting, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. Yeah, you know, with um, Europe and the United States having an agreement on potential harm using this ingredient, I just wouldn't do it. However, you can get a prescription containing hydroquinone from your doctor, and that typically contains 4%. And the listener asked why we don't see more products with it. Perry, why do you think?
0: Well, I think that the safety issue is the big, the big concern there. And it, you know, the, the other thing is that it's an over-the-counter drug, and so it's it, it's hard to differentiate yourself because you have to make the same claims as anyone else who's going to make that same kind of product.
1: Exactly, and there could be more manufacturing restrictions. When you make a, an over-the-counter drug product, you have to make it at a facility that's approved to make it by the FDA, and there's a lot of paperwork involved, and typically the order minimums can be high making that type of product. There's a lot of testing and validation that has to be done, so that could also be um, a barrier of entry. And additionally, just the other geographic restrictions around the world, a lot of brands want to make products that can be sold. I'll put it in air quotes globally, and this certainly would prevent that. Now, the listener also asked about niacinamide, and it's a completely different molecule from hydroquinone. It doesn't lighten the skin, but it has been shown to be effective in studies to visually Um, help improve the appearance of fine lines and improve the tone of skin, eliminate dullness, that kind of stuff.
0: Well, I I looked at it, and niacinamide has been shown to inhibit the melanosome transfer, and in that way, it it might have some lightening effect, but it's certainly not as effective as something like hydroquinone.
1: Definitely not. So I hope that answered your question.
0: Yeah, I would just want to say there are a wide variety of other things that people claim will do lightening, um kojic acid is a popular ingredient mm-hmm. said yeah asialic acid another one uh arbutin
1: yep alpha um, arbutin
0: uh licorice extract you might see that
1: yeah uh, i e- they might work i don't think they're as effective as hydroquinone i think that's why people just want to go straight to that
0: Right, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for something effective, these things you'll probably be disappointed in. But you should know that they're out there, and if you're afraid of hydroquinone, these are things you might try. Just keep your expectations low.
1: (laughs) And then you'll be impressed. It's a great strategy.
0: (laughs) Exactly. All right, ready for the next question. This one comes to us from Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says... Do topical products that claim to minimize the need for shaving work? Like this one from Jurgens, for example. Uh, they always seem to suck me in because I hate shaving, but I have no idea if they're actually worth the money. What is the ingredient in them that is supposed to be having this effect? How does it work and does it actually work? You know, I love to see the, the skepticism <laughs> with our listeners. I always love that.
1: Yeah, well, does anybody like shaving?
0: Uh-huh. I tell you what, I wouldn't shave if I didn't have to.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, shaving is a chore. That that yeah. really is true. And if a product could exist that would reduce the amount of time you need to shave, I think that would be be great. I know Nair has existed um no. as a, a depilatory of sorts over times over yeah, time, he- I should say, but <laughs> That smells. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, the thioglycolate, I think. But these, so these shave minimizing products, uh, I should say that uh, back a a decade ago, about 10 years ago, uh, when I was on the St. Ives brand, we were working on this shave minimizing type product. And I think that's actually when Juergens came out with their shave minimizing product. And essentially what these products are are uh, skin lotions pretty much standard skin lotions that you're meant to put on your legs and they they don't slow hair growth but what they do do is they make the hair feel softer so it makes you feel like you don't need to shave as much. <laughs> Now, essentially the products are just, they just condition the hair and, you know, it's it's kind of a psychological ploy because when you touch your legs and it feels prickly, that sort of sends a signal to you that, oh, you got to shave your legs now. Now, if you put on this shave minimizing lotion where it makes it feel softer, then you might say, ah, maybe I don't need to shave today.
1: Yeah, that's a little bit of a mind trip. I have been presented actives from suppliers that claim to reduce the amount of hair growing, um, actually in the follicle. And it's not from shaving. You actually have to depilate the hair. You actually have to have it waxed out or plucked out. And then applying this extract to your skin will dramatically slow down the growth of the hair fiber and, you know, if it really worked, I think we'd be seeing a heck of a lot more products like this on the market. Now, you couldn't really call them for what they are because then they but, wouldn't be cosmetics, they'd be drugs, but, but yeah. I would I, I would love to see something like that.
0: But I absolutely agree that if these things actually worked, I mean, whether they're drugs or not, if they really worked, then somebody would get it approved as a drug and they would sell us that. The fact that th- there are suppliers out there with raw materials, they say, oh, this this will work. And the fact that those things aren't on the market and selling like gangbusters sort of says to me that they don't actually work.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, you know, you mentioned why hasn't someone applied for a drug license or anything like that, or, you know, a drug approval to be able to sell this type of ingredient, in a product, let's uh, take the skepticism out and assume they did work. Um, I just don't think people are actively researching this type of thing because most people in the hair world, um, are just concerned about hair loss. And so I think most people are putting their efforts into that over what can stop hair from growing. Wouldn't it be great for men who shave their head and they're like, oh, I don't want any hair at all to just be able to right. put a cream on, not like a Nair or anything like that, but a, a cream that re- really, truly prevented it from growing. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. yeah it, would, uh, it, it, it is a product that if somebody could come out with something that works, I'm sure there'd be a big market for it. But the bottom line on this is if, if you like those shave minimizing products and it makes you feel less inclined to shave... So you might like it. At the very worst, what you're doing is moisturizing your skin on your legs, and that's, that's not going to be a bad thing. But the reality is it's not having much impact on the actual speed that you need to shave your legs.
1: All right, our last question. Susie says, I've recently been trying to eliminate silicone from my routine but found other film-forming substances like carbomer, acrylic acid copolymer, an ammonium acryloyl dimethyl taurate VP copolymer in many of my products. Will they be easily washed off with soap and water? Do you think these other substances are better than silicone? Thank you.
0: Quite a quite a question there, a little little technical for <laughs> for most listeners, huh? But well, that's I good. Think, I like that.
1: Yeah, a lot of our listeners, when they pick up maybe something on the grocery shelf or they're at Sephora. They'll uh, turn it over and check out the ingredients in it. I think that's become a natural thing to do. So I'm going to answer the question, presuming that Susie is eliminating silicone because she thinks it's a film former. I do want to address that. She didn't ask about it, but I'll address it. And then we'll look at these other polymers that she, I'm presuming, named as film formers. So, carbomer, acrylic acid copolymer, and ammonium acryloyl dimethyl taurate VP copolymer—I just wanted to say the last one (laughs) again—are actually not film formers that would form a film on the skin, either to help ingredient penetration or to keep ingredients on the skin. Uh, They're actually polymers that thicken aqueous systems. So, as a formulator, you would throw them into your water, and they would look like little tightly coiled strings. And yeah. then when you neutralize the formula with a base, these uh, coils would unwind and become fully extended. So imagine taking a slinky and stretching it out until it's straight, that's what would happen.
0: And then they interweave with each other and that causes the the network, I guess, right?
1: Exactly. You're gonna get a thickening of your system and some of these polymers, like the last one we named, um, actually help change the texture of the formula and maybe impact the skin feel a little bit. So Carbomer is famous for forming those clear hair gels in the 90s that you would use to spike up your bangs. Um, we always used LA Looks. Did you use anything, Perry?
0: There was DEP. DEP was the, uh, the, uh, the styling gel of choice in the Romanowski household.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you've also seen carbomer being utilized when you get a sunburn and you run to Walmart and you buy these aloe gels. There's not really aloe in them or yeah, very, 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 very little yeah, there at that, carbomer. but there's, sure, a lot of carbomer. It's pretty pretty fun to work with. Uh, but anyway, they typically form these gel networks. They're not going to form a film on the skin. And they also, I, I think, are generally... St- Senseless. I don't think you really feel them a whole lot unless you're putting other tacky or sticky items in the formula. I, in fact, I think you can barely feel that they're there.
0: Yeah, they're useful as suspending agents too. So if you're making an emulsion, they're going to keep the product stable for longer.
1: Exactly. So as you can see, they are really very different from silicones. so I, I don't think you compare yeah. them. Silicones, to our listeners who maybe don't know, maybe or maybe you've heard silicones but aren't sure what they are, that's really just a generic term for a class of molecules that c- contain the silicone atom. They can be polymers. They typically are polymers in the sense that you have many silicones joined together, not a polymer like carbomer or acrylic acid copolymer that are used for thickening or enhancing the rheology of a formulation but silicones so they're not film formers and they but they can stay on the skin and form the emollient right. layer or they could not stay on the skin again it's a very generic term so for example cyclopentasiloxane i 100 know it when it's in any skincare product because it feels so light and slippy and lubricated and then it Volatilizes into the atmosphere, and in fact, other silicones like dimethicone, if you see that on the label, those can also be volatile. But dimethicone can also be really non volatile and can hang out on the skin for a really long time. It just depends which one the formulator used. So, again, not a film former per se, it's not forming this cross link network or anything like that on the skin, but it is forming this emollient layer that could or could not feel occlusive so yeah that's that now whether or not any of these things we've talked about can easily be washed off with soap and water uh, yes carbomer acrylic acid copolymer and ammonium acryloyl dimethyl tory vp copolymer can wash off easily from the skin yeah silicones yeah. it depends on what kind of cleanser you have
0: it depends on the silicone too some silicones exactly. mm-hmm. are water soluble and they'll just rinse right away uh, but other ones are not water soluble and they'll stick around more. So yeah, so it's, like it's a like li- a concealer
1: yeah, a you can't get off your skin. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. You know, just as a, an aside about carbomer, when I was in in Italy at the IFSCC, there was some talk about carbomer and a concern about it being a microplastic.
1: Yeah, I I've heard that going around. Um, even like. a acrylic acid copolymer they're really worried um so they're really working to define what a microplastic means because could it be technically considered a plastic by the current definition maybe but is it behaving the same way that a microplastic in the ocean would that's what they're trying to determine and and really hone in on that definition that's something i've been worried about for about a year uh so we'll see what happens
0: I I mean, if they got rid of Carbomer, that would affect a whole bunch of uh, formulations out there.
1: I would say millions. Yeah, yeah. It, and, it's and widely widely used.
0: And there's no good replacement, really.
1: No, not at all. And it's not just used in cosmetics; it's also used what we in what we call the H I N I industry, household and industrial, st- really boring stuff like car cleaning right. products, <laughs> <laughs> the boring part of our industry. Yeah, ah, well, so. Uh...
0: So that, uh, look for that in, your, in a future show. <clears throat> All right. looks like we've run out of time.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Yeah. And hey, uh, if you want to ask your own question, uh, feel free to record it on your phone and then email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Or if you go on and do it the old fashioned way, you can send us an email to the same uh, Gmail account.
1: Although we prefer audio questions because I personally like answering them, I prioritize them, and I think they sound better on the show. Additionally, you could ask a question on one of our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at The Beauty Brains 2018, on Twitter, we're at The Beauty Brains, and we have a Facebook page. If you've asked a question and it hasn't been answered yet, I promise we'll get to it. We're just trying to work them into the show
0: indeed four questions a show is about what we do so we've got a bit of a backup oh, <laughs> which yeah. is good though we, we we have content for the show all right i'm gonna i'm gonna head to bed now because i gotta tell you running 26 miles in the morning makes for a tired perry at night
1: oh yeah i've got i've got a couple things to work on still so i'll be up but anyway thanks again everyone for listening and remember be brainy about your beauty
0: thanks everybody <laughs> in's